Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families living through childhood cancer. We'll hear stories from families, share educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, encourage your family during this journey. Hey everyone, thanks for taking the time to join us. We are spending some time today with Becca Johnson. Becca has been a child life specialist at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta for seven years, and she works in the BMT unit, that is the bone marrow transplant unit. She does inpatient and outpatient, and we haven't talked yet on this podcast about bone marrow transplants, and Becca's gonna help us out by giving us some high-level general info just to help us give an understanding of the process. Hey Becca, thanks for joining the Lighthouse Podcast. We're excited to have you today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So Christy and I know a little bit about you, but so let's start talking about you so folks that are listening can hear a little bit more uh, about you. What led you to the world of child life and specifically to the BMT unit? Yeah, I'm happy to speak about that. It was kind of multiple things that all led to coming to bone marrow transplant. So I had health problems of my own and knowing what that experience was like um, navigating through that as a young child knew I wanted to work in pediatrics um, and originally was in nursing school and then found out about child life and felt that that was really more of the path that I wanted to take. So going through all the courses and um, doing a bunch of volunteer work, I ended up focusing a lot of my attention on oncology patients through my volunteer work. And so eventually when the position came open in BMT, it was a very natural fit. Um, and it seemed to make a lot of sense just because of the relationships that I had already built and my experience with children going through chemo and treatment. So sort of led me here through different experiences and things that you would never you know, expect to happen, bring you to the ultimate place of where you're going to be. That's neat. That's neat to hear how that all came together. So we've talked to Child Life for onco- pediatric oncology before. What makes what you do in the BMT unit different from that? Bone marrow transplant is just changing so much. So sorry if I'm kind of fumbling over my words a little bit. There's just been so much change, even in the amount of time that I've been in BMT. So I want to speak carefully, but you would have a bone marrow transplant if your bone marrow was had disease in it or was not producing cells that were healthy for your body. So your, your bone marrow is damaged in some way, whether it's because of chemotherapy, because your previous treatment didn't work and the cancer is coming back. Now, whether it's something like sickle cell disease or whether now it can be part of your treatment for something like neuroblastoma, it's already built into the treatment. You don't have to fail going through neuroblastoma treatment to come to bone marrow transplant now. And now it's a part of the the process. Um, So for several different reasons, but we're focusing on helping the body to create all healthy cells from the bone marrow, which is where they're created. Is your role as a child life in BMT any different than the role of a child life on the, I don't want to say like normal, but on the, on the regular, just oncology side? Yeah, that's a good question. We do a lot of the same interventions and have the same training, but we just would specialize in different things. So even within the oncology world, the, the journey and the pathways just look so different. And so the interventions will look a little bit different and same with BMT. So um, my kids on BMT stay for such an extended period of time. They experience tremendous amounts of pain. Unfortunately, um, a lot of thought goes into um, compliance with medications that they'll go home with. So my interventions are just tailored to what my kids will go through, but there's tons of similarities within BMT and the oncology child life services that we would provide, but just trying to 
tailor it and specialize it, I guess, to the families and their specific needs. With kids staying, like you mentioned, so long, like having longer stays, that must be a super, you must get very emotionally attached to your kids, I would imagine. Like how, how do you handle that aspect of it? Yes, it's, you're right. That is a challenge for sure. We care about our families probably more than they realize. We talk in meetings about what could make this situation better for them. Well, what would be the next best thing and deliberating on different things way more than the families even realize just because we care so much about them and families stick with you too. You replay those conversations that you've had in your mind over and over again and just care so much about them. It takes a lot of remembering that it's not about me, right? And making sure that the focus is on them. And then also setting firm boundaries of this is where I work and I need to make sure that I'm doing my best not to take things home. That's not always possible, of course, but trying to remember that I'm here to do a job and the job is the focus is the focus on the family and it's not about me at all. That doesn't always work, but that's what we do with. Yeah. That sounds hard. It does sound tough. <laughs> so let's go through just for people that don't know. There's there's a couple layers to BMTs. Like, and again, we want to stay kind of general because I know that it's it's very specific for patients and why they're needing one. But I know, like you and I talked about, there's a there's a step that's the pre transplant, and then there's actual transplant, and then there's post, and they're very distinct steps. So let's just start like, what can people, what in general can you expect from the pre, you had talked to me that it's pretty involved before transplant even happens. Yes, it is very involved. Lots and lots of meetings, lots and lots of tests. So if your onc team or heme team is thinking that a bone marrow transplant might be a good option for you or for a family, then they start meeting with all the different team members of the bone marrow transplant team. So that's going to include multiple consents with the bone marrow transplant doctor. Um, that's going to include a meeting with a financial advisor, a social worker, child life specialist, school teacher, family experience liaison. I'm trying to think of who else. Okay. That's way more that's people than I knew. <laughs> so that's the meeting part. And it, a lot of that is to make sure we're prepared in many different ways. Are all the, are the other kids at home? Do they have someone that they can be with? Do we have a caregiver that can be present during the bone marrow transplant every single day? Cause that's what we require. Um, then it's stuff like, does the child understand what's going to happen? And are they comfortable with this? Is this something that they want to do? And then also there's lots of testing first that happens. So there's labs we want to check and see where the current disease is and at what state. We also want to check for current um, organ functioning so we can see the impact that bone marrow transplant has and try and maintain as much of a baseline as possible. We make sure that all the dental work is done before because that can have a huge impact. They have to get insurance approval. We have to get a central line placement. There's a lot of pieces that go into it beforehand. How long does all of this take? In general, or is there not even a timetable? Because it seems a lot more involved than I realized. Yes, it it does take quite a bit. We have, I would say, so it doesn't all happen all at once back to back. Um, We'll bring families in for different clinic appointments, time for different scans, things like that. But the families are here a lot and their days are packed each day. I'm trying to think back of somebody's like of a normal schedule. I want to say it's just multiple days of of families coming in for these different reasons. And then something I didn't mention that is probably one of the bigger things is HLA typing is something that we use to figure out what kind of donor that the child needs. So that 
test different components of the blood and the body because we want to get as much of a perfect match as possible. And so that's huge as well. Yeah. So the ideal is a perfect match, right? And then do you flex off of that at all? Like, is it, you know, a hundred percent match or do you go to 98.6? Do you like, what's the, what's the flex? Yeah, that's a great question. This is a little bit above my head, but I can speak to what I know. (laughs) Um, We do perfect matches. That's ideal, right? Um, It's great when a sibling can be a donor and they have a, I believe it's, it's either 20 or 25% chance of being a hundred percent match. So you, you oftentimes start there. You can have a partial match as well. And we typically talk about matches as like out of eight components. So you might hear somebody say, I have an eight out of eight match. Um, a partial match could be something less like a six or a seven out of eight match. Mm-hmm. And then we also do half matches, which are called half lows. Um, and that's oftentimes a, a caregiver um, because mom or dad is typically not always going to be half, half like four out of eight because they're half of what you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do those as well. So yeah, it just depends on what the doctors are going to feel most comfortable with. And they're ultimately the ones that decide that. Wow. So that's just leading up to the actual procedure. And then can you talk a little bit about how that actually works? The actual transplant? Yes. Yes. So you might have a family member that's your donor, or you might have somebody off of our registry that's your donor. And that person could be in England. They could be in New York city. They could be from all over the world and those cells would get shipped into us, but there's two different ways of getting cells, collecting cells. One is through bone marrow. So that would happen in the OR. They would go into the hip bone and pull out bone marrow cells that are inside the bone. Um, the other way would be a peripheral blood collection. And that's, that definitely happens as well. But usually you see that a little bit more in the adult world. And that's done through a process called apheresis. So what that means is either the person would have a vast cast placed, or if, if they don't need to do that, because they've got great veins, then we just place um, IVs one in each arm, and we are collecting cells that way through this very fancy, fancy apheresis machine. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of that's intense. I have really good veins. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. <laughs> that's an odd thing for me, but I do. I'm a very good blood donor. Okay, good to know. Uh-huh. That's good to know. Just they need blood right note. now. There's they actually do. a shortage. Yep. They do. They do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then you wouldn't have fast cast placed if you're gonna See? if you're gonna do this. Just another another reason to be proud of my veins. I didn't even know that. I also can't spell any of the words that you just said or probably recite them back to you. So when you go through the um, transplant, it's it's not like it's just something that happens. You're, it's not like giving blood. You sit on the bed right. and you're done in an hour and a half, right? This is right. this is a this is a long a long time. You're not necessarily the procedure nest, but you're in the hospital for is it thirty days? It's different for everybody, but we typically say four to six weeks is common. Um, once we have the cells collected, we give the patients that that's receiving the transplant, we would give them multiple days of something called a preparation regimen. And that's typically comprised of chemo and sometimes radiation um, to clear their bone marrow and get their body ready for their new cells. And then, yay, it's transplant day. And what that means is we um, infuse the cells uh, through the child's central line. And typically for the most part, they can't feel it. Um, if the child is receiving cells that have been frozen, then their stomach gets upset because there's been preservatives in them. But other than that, it's more of just nausea and that's all they feel on that day. Then the days afterwards are the harder days. Yeah. 
I was going to say on that day, that's all that they, because this yeah. is a pretty, I mean, you mentioned just beforehand giving them the chemo and the radiation sometimes to get them really to like zero, right? Like ground yeah. zero. Um, yes. This is a procedure that takes a toll physically. Yes, definitely. When you're speaking about the procedure, you're talking about for the patient, right? Not the donor. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. It lasts for quite a while too that, that kids and adults feel that way. Um, usually day zero, which is transplant day to day 14 are the hardest days. And then after that point, we kind of expect that kids are going to start to feel a little bit better, but it's slow. It doesn't happen right away. And I was talking to a mom the other day and she's like, there's good days and there's bad days. And it keeps going back and forth. And that's kind of how it is for a while until the body kind of rebounds a little bit more, gets cell counts. And so the child can start feeling a little bit better. Is that usually the four to six week mark? Is that why it's, it's kind of a fluctuating number? Yes, it's fluctuating also because um, the cell counts have to be at a certain level before we feel comfortable sending the child out of the hospital like you had said, Christy, we get their cell count to zero, truly to zero. And so if we were to send somebody out with too low of a cell count, then um, it would be extremely dangerous. Any little cough, whatever could be deadly. And so we wouldn't want to do that. And so we keep them in the hospital, very carefully monitored. They stay on the bone marrow transplant unit the entire time. You can't leave and go to the cafeteria for fear of being exposed to germs and things like that. So we keep them here to hopefully keep them safe, but also to manage symptoms. And then once cell counts get to a certain point where the doctors feel a little bit more comfortable, then they're either allowed to go home if they live within 30 minutes of the hospital or they go to the Ronald McDonald house. So they go back to their house or they're, or they're at Ronald McDonald house. Is there, do they, are they checking in daily, weekly? Like what's the process and how long are they typically there? Is, or is it until their counts are back up to a certain level? Yes. So that's a good question. So typically on average, somebody would check into clinic um, three times a week. And so we're taking what that looks like is we're taking blood to see what their levels are looking like and to manage medications that we're giving. They have lots of meds to go home on. So I don't want to minimize that at all because it's a lot for the families to do that. And they're amazing for doing that. They basically like have to become nurses at home. um, And it's very impressive. And so they'll come in three times a week we change meds up a little bit based on what they need. It's a physical exam. And then if they need blood or they need anything else, then we do that during that visit. As time goes on, it becomes twice a week and then eventually once a week. And then eventually they're no longer on the BMT service anymore because they don't need us. And they go back to their Ankh or Heem team. Yeah. That is a long process. And it, it, and it sounds like it's probably just with, you know, with one parent, right? You're not because you need to keep them isolated, it's not like people are coming and going. It's, right. yeah, you're not with your family for a while. You're, you're not with your siblings. You're, if you're in school, you're out of school. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. It takes kids away from their normalcy of even what's normal for them during onc treatment or heating treatment. I mean, being away from their siblings, I, it's, it's so difficult. I, we, we can't have children under 12 years old coming onto the unit even not during COVID times, it's just super icing. And so we try to find as many ways as we can to incorporate siblings in different ways, like FaceTiming or mail back and forth or like movie nights where they're talking on the phone and both watching the same movie. And then, like you said, like one caregiver being here and kind of managing it all because either mom or dad's at home working, taking care of the other kids, maintaining health insurance or whatever it is. It's just a 
big effort for the family and they're impressive that they do it, you know? Yeah. I want to touch back real quick. Cause this is like the participatory part. Um, I want to talk about matches real quick again, um, because we talked about how like they go for the sibling first and, but then, you know, there are unrelated, like you said, it could be someone in England. So how does somebody help in that way? How do you get tested to see if you're a match and what does that process look like from the other side? Yes, definitely. So it's actually very easy to get onto the registry. Um, you go to a website called be the match and you will type in your information. They'll send you a little box in the mail that has, it looks like a giant Q-tip, but still pretty thin. And you just swab the inside of your mouth for a little bit of DNA. And that helps the registry know a little bit more about the components of who you are to see if you might be a match for a patient. Um, and then you just kind of hang on the registry until you're called. Um, so it really doesn't take much to get onto the registry and you may never be called or you could be called more quickly. It just depends um, if you are a match for somebody else. And how needed is this? Like how much of a need is there for, for matches? A huge need. It's, it's a huge need. There are people every day that go that don't have a match. Um, I would say it's especially a huge need for people that are not just Caucasian. So like if you're African-American or Hispanic or have more of like a unique type background, that's mm -hmm. even harder to find. And so that is even more valuable um, and very, very helpful if someone's willing to be on the registry. And like I said, you may never be called or you could change somebody's life and save their life. See, when people say, what can I do? That's one thing that's they can what do. you can do. Is it a, is it a pretty simple process? Like if a hospital finds a match, um, for that, for that person then to go and, and donate what they need to donate, is that a, a simple process for them or is that, um, as big of an ordeal? Definitely not as big of an ordeal as having a bone marrow transplant. For some reason, there is a big misconception out there that donating is miserable. And I, I'm not exactly sure fully where that came from because we have, even like babies doing this. Um, so it could be something like we were talking about as getting a poke on each arm and then they're collecting and it, it. Sometimes it takes, it's usually around four to six hours. And sometimes it happens for two days. Sometimes it just happens for one. And then on the other hand, if they ask for bone marrow cells, then it's going to the operating room. You'll be completely sleeping during sedated during. Um, and then when you wake up, all the cells will be collected and, I have some people say it feels like a bruise on their back afterwards. Some people go and play around a golf right afterwards. It just depends <laughs> um, on the person and what they're open to doing, I guess. I think that's good. I think that's good for folks to hear because, you know, maybe it dispels some of the myth of that it is a, a big ordeal when it's, it's really not, especially considering what the patient on the other side is going through. It's really not that big of an ordeal. It's really not. And do they get to ever meet? Like if you have somebody that donates to your kid and they're in England or whatever, do you ever get to say thank you or meet them? That's a really cool question um, because there's a very specific process. So you can't meet before a year. And then after a year, if both the patient and the donor are both, both say, yes, we want each other's address or phone number, then you can do that and you can call or write a letter. But if, if both sides don't agree, then then it just stays where it's at. Yeah. And I hope I didn't earlier, I hope I didn't belittle what it is to donate cells because it is hard. 
But I guess in comparison to what the person that's having the bone marrow transplant is going through, it's small in the scheme of saving somebody's life. Absolutely. And for who you're working with every single day when you go to work and the, and the kids that you're getting involved with and the length of time and the physical toll on them. Yeah. That's worth it. You know, totally. Absolutely. Becca, we are just so grateful. Your time is very, very precious because um, those kiddos that you're taking care of and the whole families that you're taking care of, they are just really, really lucky to have you. So I just, we appreciate you taking the time out of your work day to sit down and kind of walk us through this whole procedure and what it means and to encourage some people to get out there and swab the inside of your mouth because that is not hard at all. Yes, definitely. Be the match. That's where you go. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much to everyone who took time to listen today. If you are new to Lighthouse and would like more information on how we strengthen families living through childhood cancer, visit our website at lighthousefamilyretreat.org and we will see you later on the next episode.